Well, hello everyone. This is John Byrne with Quads and Quads. Welcome to Business Casual, our weekly podcast. We have a special guest today, the Dean of American University's Business School, uh, David Marchick, who is head of COGOD School of Business. David actually joined uh, the school as dean in August of 2022, so he's a newbie. He spent quite a few years at the Carlisle Group in a senior position and has also assisted in two presidential administrations, the Biden administration more recently and the Clinton administration way back when. And of course, we have my co-host, Caroline Diorti Edwards who is the former head of admissions at NCOD and uh, the co-founder of Fortuna Admissions. We want to talk about sustainability. You know, this has become a very hot topic in graduate management education. There are a number of schools that are doing things in this area. And David just returned from a recent AACSB meeting where societal impact and sustainability were the key issues discussed. So David, I want to start with you. And, and let's go to the basic stuff. Now, some of this may be obvious, but it may not be obvious to everyone. Why is sustainability so hot? First of all, thanks for having me. It's great to hear your voice on a podcast because I've listened to about 50 of your podcasts. As someone that didn't come from academia, when, when I was approached for this role, I listened to everything basically as a study guide. So thank you very much for what you do. And I've become kind of an addict to, uh, to your podcast. So thanks very much. Thank you. You know, it's interesting. I, I, I'll just give you a little history. I started the sustainability program at Carlisle in 2008, 2009 to, I would say, a bunch of eye rolls and yawns. Uh, a lot of folks said, <laughs> what are you doing? Why are you doing this? And we hired one person who was the first chief, chief sustainability officer in the industry. And we put out our first sustainability report in 2009. Since then, the, the, this sector of the economy has kind of exploded. The FT actually ran an article yesterday that said that business leaders cannot hire enough people in sustainability. There's just not enough qualified graduates. And so I've been engaged in this in the sustainability movement for, for many years. And when I got to COGOD, I realized that we had a great program that was on the cusp of being even greater. So basically, companies are taking a much more holistic approach to, to their role in society both the impact of their company on the environment and the impact of the environment on their companies. The issue of supply chain is a huge issue, both not only in terms of diversification, but also human rights in the supply chain. The issue of race, class, and gender and their products, diversity, are part of sustainability. And so companies are increasingly investing in this space. Their shareholders are demanding it. Their employees are demanding it. And it's going to become a much larger part of the ecosystem in businesses going forward. So that's why it's important. Now, do you think business schools have lacked uh, in ad adopting more coursework and embedding in the current curriculum sustainability issues? Have they lagged business? I think, yes. I think, you know, academia moves slowly, as you and Caroline know. My sense is that the industry and investors are way ahead of academia, and academia is running hard to catch up. Um, at COGOT, actually, we've had a sustainability program for 10 years. So, uh, you know, it's part of the DNA of American University. We were the first carbon neutral campus in the country. And so I think we were a little ahead of the game 
But I know that based on the discussions with deans last week, this is a hot topic and deans and business schools all across the world are focused on catching up and there's student demand for it and there's employer demand for it. So, you know, business schools like any other organization respond to demand signals and there's demand. And, and it, a lot of the demand is coming from the younger students because they are deeply concerned about climate change and the fact that governments don't seem to be doing enough. So maybe, you know, the, the, the leverage point is, in fact, the corporation, uh, which could actually take more progressive and, and faster leads than government agencies have been willing to, to pursue. Do you agree? I think that the progress in the government level has been slow up until about two years ago. I think, you know, obviously the United States, uh, President Biden and the Congress passed a landmark law investing in climate this year. Europeans have done the same. The SEC and European regulatory authorities are now pushing to require companies to disclose their carbon footprint. And so companies and auditors um, are investing and stepping up their game. You know, I do think that, and one of the themes at, at American is that, uh, you know, business can be a force to create a more sustainable world. And I know that, you know, different types of businesses approach it differently. A consumer facing company approaches it from a customer perspective. Their customers are demanding greener products. You know, Walmart, for example, gives out shelf space to greener products. And so consumer products companies are adjusting. In the technology world, it's an important issue, but the most important issue is that employees are demanding. Young people demand to be working in a place and they're much more likely to go to a place that has strong commitments to environment, to social justice, to, to the values that young people are embracing. I see that with my own kids. I have a 21-year-old and an 18-year-old and it's, it's very important to them. And I see it with students, um, both at COGOD and also I taught for, for several years at, at the Tuck School of Business and it, it was a big theme up there as well. Carolyn, I'm sure you've noticed a greater interest in this topic among your applicants, right? Yeah, yes, absolutely. I mean, I went to business school 20 years ago now, and it was sustainability and environmental concerns came up, but it was more peripheral and it wasn't really sort of a core element of, of my business education. And actually, I remember, you know, a year or so after I graduated from business school, my husband was offered a job as head of sustainability at a big multinational and he turned it down because he said you know it's not it, it's not something that they particularly care about right so it would you know i would not be a key decision maker in the business so you know that has changed so much as you say that's become something <laughs> now a function that is really critical and strategic for businesses and actually now he's an investor in climate tech so he's got back into that but yes, I mean, I've seen having, um, you know, been reviewing applications at INSEAD starting in 2005 and, and then at Fortuna over the last 10 years. You know, 18 years ago, when I first started reviewing applications, it wasn't something that came up that frequently, right? Sometimes candidates had a um, particular interest, perhaps they were working in the field or they had a, an interest um, through their extracurriculars in environmental concerns, sustainability, and so on, but it was not something that came up that that frequently. And now it's absolutely core for this for the for the latest generation. And um, and you know, I think it's it's not easy for business schools to keep up with that, right? Because 
as you said, David, you know, business schools are not the fastest to to embrace change and it's not easy. And, you know, often faculty are quite entrenched in the way that they do things and the things that they teach. So you know, I'm curious how, um, what are your thoughts about how business schools are adapting? Because, you know, I've seen how difficult it can be to to drive change in an institution where faculty have you know their own their own domains and their own ways of doing things and aren't necessarily keen on changing so how how do you think the business schools are are, are responding to that and you know what can they do to to respond more to to the demand from the younger generation so i think it's and and by the way the experience of your husband is very consistent with my own private sector experience i mentioned that you know, I started the program in 2008, 2009 to yawns. And now Carlisle has it in its DNA and they have 15 right. or 20 people. Mm-hmm. And every single investment that Carlisle makes has an ESG lens on it, every single one. Um, and part of that was because, you know, we had investments where all of a sudden a factory was underwater because of a flood somewhere due to climate change. So I think it's very mixed among business schools. There are some schools, I'll give you an example, Berkeley. Ann Harrison, the dean there, you know, we've spoken. I think they're doing great work in this space. She she was just reappointed in her announcement. She said one of my top priorities is driving sustainability through our through our curriculum. I've been really pleasantly surprised and uh, at the embracement of this at at the Cogod School. So we we've every single department at Cogod now has incorporated sustainability into both teaching and research. So we have five departments: the traditional departments, you know, accounting, IT management, marketing, finance, all of them have embraced it. And they all are driving sustainability, both in their teaching, they develop courses, and in their research. So I've been very pleasantly surprised. And maybe that's because we have a great program, both at the graduate and undergraduate level, and we have growing demand. And so there's, you know, we respond to demand signals. Some schools are still scratching their head at the AACSB conference. You know, there was discussion among some schools of what's sustainability? What does that mean? So I think there's, there is, um, the trend is in the right direction and there's mixed adoption. Yeah. And I think, uh, David, you've also hired faculty in who are experts in this subject or who have a passion or interest in it. So in, you know, on one level, that's another solution. If you have entrenched faculty who don't really want to move, you can always bring in new bees who have seen the light, (laughs) I guess. How how do you teach sustainability management? So you have an MS in this topic. And I know that as a new dean, uh, a key part of your strategy is to make your school uh, a center for sustainability. But how do you actually teach it? So great question. We've incorporated into each of our departments. So basically, we have students that, for example, come to us and they're experts in environmental issues and they need to learn business or they're experts in business and they need to learn environmental. So we have a core curriculum, which includes five courses, social sustainability, managing for climate change, um, a marketing class about marketing uh, with sustainable outcomes. And then we have lots and lots. We have over 40 classes that we offer um, for electives, which include sustainable investing. Uh, our board of directors, just to show you, you know, the commitment at American University has allocated 1% of the endowment for students at the Kogod School to recommend funds to invest their sustainable funds. 
And so our students go through, a, you know, they hear pitches and they do a recommendation to the investment committee of the board uh, as part of that class. Supply chain is a very, very hot topic in sustainability. Uh, you look at what Apple's dealing with in terms of supply chain in, in um, China, but also focus on green supply chains, efficient supply chains, and also companies have had real problems with human rights problems in their supply chains. Uh, entrepreneurship is a big area of focus in sustainability. You know, companies, this is the, one of the fastest growing areas for venture capital. Venture capital uh, fundraising doubled last year for sustainable funds to $64 billion. That's a lot of money in venture capital that needs to be allocated. And so, uh, and then we have courses that we offer with other parts of American University, the Law School on Sustainable Reporting and Disclosure. One of our actually grizzled old veteran accounting professors, <laughs> a wonderful guy, he's like a kid in a candy store. Uh, he, he's teaching a new course this semester called Sustainable Reporting and Outcomes. And it's all about measuring sustainability. How do you measure environmental outcomes? How do you measure social outcomes? And we have some wonderful guest lecturers in the class from Ernst & Young and PwC and uh, a lot of the big firms uh, and financial firms as well. So it's a broad-based curriculum and we're developing yeah. new courses every semester. And that's, and that's crucial. I mean, Peter Drucker once said, you know, what gets measured gets managed. And what doesn't Absolutely. get measured managed. And it's really so true. Um, now, you have an MS in sustainability management. I hear that it's quite popular that, in fact, you have had a 100% increase in applications. Is that right? That's right. I've listened to many, many of your podcasts about challenges in graduate enrollment and the MBA programs in particular. And sometimes I need to get a tissue listening to you and Carolyn. But in our sustainability program, it's, it's, the demand is, is extraordinary. We have a, year over year at this point, we're 100% up in applications. We're not going to take, we're not going to grow our class, obviously, so we'll be much more selective. Um, we'll grow some, but we're not going to grow 100%. And the quality of students is just extraordinary. Um, it's much more domestic, which is interesting. So our MBA program and other parts of our graduate programs very much reflect the trends that you talk about all the time, heavily international, declining yeah. domestic students. In this program, it's 70-30 domestic, and the domestic student quality is just extraordinary. You know, it's interesting. Um, I became really excited about this in part because I had a conversation early on with a bunch of students where it went like this. I'm a new dean. How's it going? Why'd you, why'd you come here? And the student said, well, it's the best sustainability program in the country. And I kind of said, okay, right. I got it. Where else did you apply? And they said, Duke, Columbia, Northwestern, you know, et cetera. And I said, oh, I didn't get into some of those schools either. They said, we got into all those schools. We wanted to come here. And so I thought, you know, we have something here that is special. And, you know, I've approached my, my new role like a business, which is basically doing an assessment of our strengths. And we're going to invest in our strengths. And this is one of them. So I, actually, let me just add one thing. You mentioned new faculty. We have our, this year, we've hired two that started in the fall, two new faculty, one tenure track, one non-tenure track, who's a sustainable entrepreneur. We just hired a new person from UNC got his PhD in sustainable finance. He starts in the fall. We have one more position open for an industry executive. We have an executive in residence position open. We're very close to hiring that person. And then we're going to try to hire a, a very senior tenure track a, a 
professor next year. So we will have hired in a three-year period five new faculty members in sustainability and executive and residence. Um, and so we're, we're investing heavily. I also think that, you know, given the public policy implications of sustainability, that studying it in Washington, D.C. is a really good idea. 100%. I mean, part of this is just intuition, which is, you know, I taught at Tuck. They are great at what they do. And if, you know, if you want to go to McKinsey, Bain, or um, BCG, Tuck, it's, it's a great place. Wharton is going to be fantastic at finance, Stanford for an entrepreneurship. Coming to the nation's capital, being an American university with the strength of our policy school, our law school, our international school, it, 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 it's tied up into our DNA. And there's so much of a policy, public um, affairs, communications, and uh, regulatory posture to sustainability work. It's basically an external facing function in, in businesses. It just makes intuitive sense that a school like American would be good at it and invest in it. Now, what's the case for doing a specialty degree like a master's in sustainability management as opposed to the MBA? Because after I think of the MBA as sort of a Swiss knife, but you know, you can apply it in many different ways. And if you go for a master's in a specialty, uh, you pretty much better know that you want to be in that field and you want to be in that field for most of your career. Isn't that true? It, it is. You know, the average work experience of our sustainability students is about six years. So they're 28, 29. Uh, they know they want to do this. I'll give you a couple examples of, of student profiles that are, the, that are interesting. So we have a fabulous student who works at a major transportation company. She is head of communications, sustainability communications for one of the large transportation companies. You know it. I can't say the name. She's wanted to go into their operations part of the business manage their green fuel, manage their supply chain, create more efficient operations. She has not been able to get in. Yeah. And the op COO basically said, if you get more of a business exposure, a business background, I'll hire you. So she's getting a sustainability degree with us. We have a wonderful student from India who worked for Ernst & Young. Ernst & Young, one of their fastest growing parts of their business is their sustainability advisory business. Um, she wants to go back to Ernst & Young and work in, in uh, I think it's called CCAS, the Center for Climate and Sustainability at Ernst & Young. And then we have a young man um, who came up through the Forest Service. He's a forestry expert. And he wants to go into climate uh, investing, carbon investing. As the carbon markets develop, he wants to become an expert in that space. And so he felt that he needed the finance and the um, business fundamentals and understanding sustainable measurement um, in order to be effective in that space. So those, those are kind of a few student profiles and they're coming to us from top schools in the United States and, a, and abroad. And the quality of students is just extraordinary. Yeah, that's amazing. How much roadway is there on this? In other words, uh, I'll ask the, the indelicate question and, and one where the answer may be obvious, but still our listeners need to hear it. Is this a fad? <laughs> it's a good question. We have discussed and debated that. We don't think it's a fad. If you asked me three or four years ago, I might have said it could be a fad. But I'm I'm on the board of a of an asset manager where this is a big issue. And you know, if you look at fund flows from investors in the last eighteen months to two years, the fund flows have been extraordinary. So I guess what I'm saying is, like Caroline's husband, 
five, 10 years ago, I would say the rhetoric was ahead of the fundamentals of business. And now the business is ahead of the rhetoric. So I don't think it's a fad. I think that if you look, there's obviously political pushback in Florida and other states, but businesses are are running hard. Um, And, you know, we started um, a sustainability speaker series at Kogod. We have eight CEOs coming from entrepreneurs like Seth Goldman, who founded Honest Tea, to the CEO of Marriott, from small companies to big companies, they're embracing. I'll just give you one example. Marriott CEO, they have eliminated all those great shampoo bottles that you, you know, that I've always stole from hotel rooms. I have a ton of them. Sure. Flashlights. Maybe you all have stolen too. I'm seeing Carolyn nod. <laughs> they eliminated those. So I asked them, well, all right, so what's the big deal? So all right, John, you're a smart guy. How many bottles do you think they don't put in landfills a year um, by eliminating those and putting the pumps into showers? Okay, so it's be what millions. do you think? Millions. So millions. Okay. Caroline, you have a guess? Yeah, I would say it's in the millions as well. Uh, I don't know. I will say 20 million. Okay. 500 million a year. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Really? Okay. So that's good for the environment. It's also good for Marriott's bottom line. Because yeah, but now I can't some, take the shampoo away. <laughs> I know. I I actually when I when I the I talked to them about this. I told my wife. I said, "Where are all those shampoo bottles we stole?" And they said, "They're up up you know, next to the next to the flashlights." Exactly. So I went up and took a picture of them and sent them to the Marriott people. I said, "Sorry, I took all these from you." So <laughs> at least they didn't one, end up in landfill. <laughs> yeah. You know, one element of your program incidentally, uh, and, and is very common in many uh, graduate management education programs today is experiential learning. Yes. Can you comment on what kind of projects your students are doing in the MS in sustainability management? Okay, so we have a great experiential learning component to this, not only internships in Washington, D.C., which is, you know, one of the reasons that people come to Washington, D.C., but we also have a program abroad. We, we For the last number of years, we've taken all the students to Scandinavia, Denmark, Sweden, etc. And we work with businesses to work on real problems. So sustainable fashion, you know, making uh, products from more sustainable uh, inputs, uh, sustainable packaging and making packaging much more efficient. I actually have a great story from Carlisle days. We owned uh, a shampoo company and we wanted to make it a green company. And part of it was getting more shelf space at Walmart. And so we reduced packaging waste. We improved the ingredients. We include improved disclosure. And the company doubled in sales and sold to Johnson Johnson because it got a lot of green shelf space at Walmart. So obviously, uh, offshore wind uh, is, has been a big area. Uh, electric vehicles, um, you know, Europe, as Caroline know, just passed a regulation that said no more gas-fired vehicles in twenty in twenty thirty five. Real estate is a big issue. You know, companies and multifamily property investors are trying to figure out how do we put more infrastructure in for EV charging because their clients are demanding it. And so our students get to work with these great companies throughout Scandinavia uh, during the summer on wonderful experiential learning opportunities where they're dealing with hard problems. And then they also get great internships in Washington, D.C. Caroline, you think sustainability is here to stay? 
Yes, I do, because obviously the problems are here to stay, unfortunately, right? Absolutely, um, yes. And, and that, is, that is the key driver here, is that um, we're in a pickle, and unfortunately it's going to take a going to take many years to resolve this and hopefully we'll be able to but but thank god the younger generation is is embracing this issue and getting on getting involved because it's uh you know it, it, it's going to be a critical the critical challenge for for the younger generation and it's going to take decades to to sort out so so I, I think it's going to only um you know become more important rather than less important yeah, that's really true. I mean, climate change isn't going away. It's getting worse. Uh, implications of it are getting uh, more horrible. I mean, we're, we're witnessing tragedy after tragedy in the world because of it. And Lord knows we need real action. And, and corporations need people who have both the passion and the skills to make a difference in this area. And David, I'm sure you agree because you are doubling down on sustainability at your school we are we're we're investing let me just give you one other thing we're doing which uh, tees off your focus on corporations so we put together an advisory committee um which we'll announce in the next 30 days or so so i thought okay let's put together an advisory committee and you've been around schools you know some of these advisory committees are a little sleepy some of them are you know not so sleepy so i went out and these are folks that are mostly unaffiliated with American University. So we have a 25-person advisory committee. It includes 10 CEOs, 10 CEOs. It includes the top executives that either run, have run, or supervise sustainability at major firms like Starbucks, JP Morgan, KKR, folks that are on big boards, you know, like Twitter. Well, they were, one of them was on Twitter before Elon Musk bought it, but Alcoa, Warehouser, you know, Rockefeller Foundation. So we're getting very, very senior people that want to be involved in helping a leading sustainability program take it to the next level. And we have a meeting in the in two weeks. And one of the topics on the table is what's the future of work? So if you asked me, going back to Caroline's husband's example, if you asked me in 2007, what was the future of sustainability? I never could have predicted it. Never. I, and so, you know, 15 years later, it's, it's totally changed. We want to get from these folks, what's it going to look like in 10 years? And so that we can stay ahead of the curve and adapt our program to help students deal with problems that they'll be dealing with for the next 10 or 20 years and not just the next two years. Right. Well, David, thank you so much. It's been a real pleasure to have you. Uh, we've been listening to David Marchik, our uh, guest today. He's the new dean at American University's Kogan School of Business, who uh, had served as a managing director at the Carlisle Group for 12 years and has been involved in two presidential administrations. Uh, David, one last question for you. You are not an academic. Uh, you're a kind of a corporate type. Well, what is it like for a corporate type to go into an academic environment and lead a business school? That's a great question. You should ask the people, the associate deans that suffer from my 5 a.m. emails and um, <laughs> lack of understanding of why something will take two years instead of two months. Um, yeah, David, there aren't that many of you out there, you know. <laughs> actually, it's been great. 
you know, I feel blessed to have had, you know, different types of careers. And I wanted to do something where I could give back and help young people. And so I, you know, when I left Carlisle, started teaching at Tuck and I loved it. And then uh, I'm really enjoying it. I'll give you the, the positives are it's mission oriented. The faculty are great. The students are great. You know, yesterday was the first warm day in DC and just walking around campus with the backpacks and those kids out on the quad, you know, it was just fun um, and invigorating. You know, academia moves slowly. It moves much more slowly. I actually, you know, show, pulled this chart the other day together, which um, one of my team members did, which I said, give me the top 10 companies in the world by market cap in the year 2000. And of those 10, only one from 2000 is still on the list, Microsoft. Otherwise, nine of the 10 have been replaced. And I said, give me the top 10 business schools in the country from 2000 compared to today. And all of them are the same except for one. And basically, Duke dropped to like 11, and Yale came in as now number eight. This is in US News. So academia moves very slowly. And I fear that the people that work with me are suffering a little from my pace, but I'm learning from them and hopefully they're learning from me. <laughs> well, David, thank you. Business right, schools need it. more people like you, Dave. There you go. Thank Carol. you. <laughs> hopefully it works out. And, you know, like I said, like we used to say in Carlisle when we made a new investment, you know, ask in five years how it goes. So hopefully it works out. <laughs> we'll, we'll check in then. Right. Thanks for having me and thanks for everything you do. It's been a pleasure. This is John Byrne with Parts and Quants. You've been listening to Business Casual, our weekly podcast. 